Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. The title of today's message are People Are Our Purpose. People Are Our Purpose. And so last week, we, we finished off More Than Conquerors series and over the last few weeks, we've been talking about, they look a bit sad, don't they? They're supposed to, because they want you to go talk to them so they can have hope. They're supposed to look sad, because you have an answer for them. And that's why people are our purpose. But we talked about identity over the last few weeks. We've also discussed that God wants you to flourish. He wants you to flourish in the now, not into the future. And that we often have dreams and hopes and we, we kind of like, when, when that happens, everything's going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? When our destination happens, everything's going to be okay. When I, when I get that husband, my whole life will be perfect. When I meet that girl, everything's going to, but we all know, yes, it's just the start of the journey. I'm sorry. But when, when, we, when we make it into the big leagues of our sport, then everything's going to happen. When we hit the destination, everything's going to be okay. Well, God wants you to enjoy the journey because the journey may be three quarters of the whole thing and the destination is only for a short period of your life. God wants you to flourish in the journey because if we're not flourishing in the now, we'll never get to the destination. You know, so many of us wait for when that happens, I'll start praying. When that happens, I'll start serving God. When that happens, I'll start. No, no, God's just saying it's now. You will never get to the destination if you're not doing the now. Whatever your hand finds to do, I said last week, the Bible says, do with all your heart unto God and not unto men. Not un- unto God, but unto men. If he can trust you with the little, the Bible says he can trust you with much. If we won't be good stewards of what is another person's, then he won't give us our own, the scripture tells us. And uh, there's a scripture in Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus. In chapter 25, verse 23, it says, His master said to him, now this is Jesus talking, But he's just talked about a parable, which is a story about a master and his servant. So Jesus is telling us this parable, and this is where he goes. He's talking to the servant. He says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. When we're faithful in the little, God will make us faithful over much. Young Daniel here, last Saturday night, texts me and says, because Aston and Glenn are, Aston runs the creative department and she's on holidays. He's here at night just setting up for Sunday morning. On Saturday night, he says, okay, if I be there, I just want to get everything right. I was like, that's great. And then I find out last Sunday morning, he got here at 6 a.m. so that the music would be perfect, there'd be no technology issues, praying over the place. You know, I, I go, wow. You know, faithful in the little, God will make him faithful in much. If you're faithful in what God gives you and you take it serious, because I go, hey, that's a, that's a young guy who's going to go places. That's a young guy who's going to go places. You know, when we were younger, and I've talked about it before, we had no money, we had young kids, we had bomby cars, we had no careers, we were just living week to week, paying bills and having this bomby car that had no air con. And, but I had this attitude, well, the Bible said if I'm faithful in the little, he'll make me faithful in much. I clean the car every week. I, I, I wash those cars. I vacuum those cars. I, I treated them with respect because, one, it's all I had. But I thought, how could I expect God to give me a really cool, fancy car like I want if I can't even look after the bomby car I've got? And my principle was, I don't have the means to get a nice car, but I have the Word of God, which says, if I'm faithful in little, He will make me faithful in much. And He's my provider. And then when we rented houses, we couldn't buy a house, we just rented it. I would treat that house as if I owned it. 
I was the best tenant you could ever have. Man, I loved that house. We cleaned it all the time. The kids couldn't touch the walls. They even have nightmares now. Don't touch the wall. Don't touch the wall. You know, even now they'll talk about it. Dad goes, don't touch the wall. I, I've, I've made them so paranoid of touching walls when they were little. It wasn't my house, but I respected that house. And, and, and the real estate would say to me, man, we love coming here for inspections because, you know, you just treat it like your own. But I wanted my own house. And the Bible says, if I can't be a good steward of what is another man's, why would he give me my own? And now we, I am a landlord and I have my own houses and God has blessed us because I was faithful back then in the little when I didn't have it and then he could trust me with much. You, maybe you want to be a, a famous rock star or maybe, maybe that's Dan, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you want to be like a, a, a world-class church worship leader but you don't turn up to practice here at a counter or I don't turn up when I'm rostered on, or I just turn up and I just kind of don't have a great attitude. If you're not faithful in that, you're never going to be a world-class worship leader in a big church. It's not going to happen. God takes you in the faithfulness of the little that you're doing. Whatever your hand finds to do, whether it's welcome team or, or in a workplace or serving God or running youth or running young adults or, or whatever it is, if you're faithful in that little thing that he's given you, then he can make you faithful in much. Why would he give you much if you can't even do the basics of the stand, you know what I mean? It's it's not rocket science, is it? No. On this journey to a destination, don't lose who you really are. Don't forget who you really are. Don't forget the purpose of this thing. You know, some of us that have been in church for a long time, we can forget why we exist. Why does the church exist? Jesus is our message, and people are our purpose. Why does the church of Jesus Christ exist? Because Jesus is the message, people are the purpose. And that's what I'm focusing on today. People are the purpose of church. Not for us to be a club, but for other people that are far from God. Don't let bitterness, don't let disappointed, you know. Wherever there's people, there's mess. Wherever there's people, in the church, out of the church, in the bowls club, there's mess. Wherever people are, there's stuff. But, but don't get sidetracked on this journey to this destination by disappointment or bitterness, or anger, or, or something went wrong, or didn't go your way. Don't let that take you out, because you're not going to get to you want to go. My first point is, it's not too late to find your mojo again. It's, that's a bit of Austin Powers, anyone. It's not too late to find your mojo again. Maybe you've allowed bitterness to come in. Maybe you know that you're not running all, all cylinders. You know in your heart that you're, you got a bit hard over the years, and Maybe you, you, you became a believer when you're in the youth group or, or, and it's 20 years later and you're like, I'm not the same. I've lost that hope that I've lost that innocence of just loving God. But it's never too late to get that healthy soul back again. And I want to look at this morning, firstly, a parable, again, a story that Jesus talked about. It's called the Great Banquet, the Great Banquet. And it's in the book of Luke. Which one of the Gospels in the New Testament, chapter 14. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase some of it for you. Basically, this is Jesus telling a story. He tells a story. Um, we can not put that up yet, guys. Give me, you're, you're, you're stealing my thunder before I get there. Okay? I've just got to work up to that. But you're doing a great job. Um, this, this parable is this master is putting on a giant banquet. Like, not just a little Friday night dinner party. He's putting on a massive banquet with with 
thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars and food. And, and this is a big event that's been planned for months and months and months. Like it's a massive banquet, possibly celebrating, I'm reading into it, but maybe a son getting engaged. Or a big thing for the master, a big family celebration of friends. It's, 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 it's a passion of his. And what happens is he invites some people to his banquet. And when you have a banquet like that, you generally invite those closest to you, don't you? first like these aren't just distant people he invites those people that he's known for a long time those people that he has a trust with uh, he's had encounters with he's he's shared life with he, he, you invite those people first they're the people like when you do the wedding those people that have been family for generations there's there's a depth of relationship that the master had inviting all these people that he cared about to his banquet but some of these people had lost their first love they they become familiar with the master. And so when the bank was ready, he sent his servants to go get those that were invited. And, and they all came back with all the excuses. Oh, you know, I've just bought a business. I've just got married. I've just got to plow a field. I've just got to plan a field. I, I, I've got this on. I've got I'm this. And see, what happened was they'd lost their first love with the master. They, they'd gone off track on their journey. And it became about them. See, all the things that the excuses, when you look at the parable, they're all about me. I've got this on. I've got to do this. my business, my affairs. This is what my life is. But the master, which is a symbol of God, the, the master in this story is Jesus. This is what he's saying. The master is God. God's saying, all those people I invited were too busy to come to my feast. They were too busy for me. They didn't count me as valuable. They, and it's like that for church. We can sometimes get caught up in in. You know, the gossiping about stuff, or, or this person comes in church and we judge them. Oh, look what they're wearing. How dare they? We, we become this, this judgmental self-centeredness about my preferences and my likes. The master's trying to say, hey, you're going off track when it becomes about me. I like the music this way. I, I, no, I don't want to change. This is how we've always done it. No, the master has a purpose and a mission. He wants to put a banquet on. He, he wants you to come. He doesn't want you to be talking about your own stuff and your own thing and your own selfishness and my own preferences, my own ways. He wants us to be about people. He wants us to be about others. He wants you to have that freshness of that first love with him again. If, what does Jesus want? What does the master want in this story? Now we can put the scripture up. In Luke 14, 23, 24, it says, And the master said to the servant, this is after all these people couldn't come. They weren't available. He said, go to the highways, the hedges, and compel people to come in. What is the heart of the master? To go out there. It's not about looking at what we're doing in, and, and what she's wearing, what he's saying, and they did this, and I don't agree. With it. It's about, what about that person out there? What about the community in Shepparton? What about those people at work? What about those people at the soccer club? The, the master, which is God, is passion to compel people to his house. He, he wants us to be looking outwards and not inwards. And this is what he says, why? That my house would be filled. The master wants his house filled. The master wants his house filled. People say, oh, I don't believe in big churches. Well, the master did. God wants big churches. He wants his house filled. He doesn't want five people in the corner. The heart of God is right there. Go out into the highways and byways and compel, invite people to my house. Why? Because I want my house full. I want my house full as many people as possible. We have the parable of, of, of the lost sheep. What's the heart of the shepherd, the master, God? He leaves the 99 for the one. The one coin that they couldn't find. They looked over the whole house for the one. 
See, the master's heart is for those that are out there. He wants your heart to be his heart and to call those people in and speak to them and share with them. And this is the scary part. Like This part scares me of this parable. It says, For I tell you, none of those men or people who were invited shall taste my banquet. He locked the doors from them. Basically said they lost their first love. They'd gone off track on the journey. I'd invited them, and they got caught up in their own things, their own ways, their own nitpicking. He closed the door, and he let all those that they weren't even originally invited, and he called them in that his house would be filled. See, I'm going to, I'll just throw, I'm, you're going to hate me for this bit, but then we're going to go into some nice stuff where you'll think I'm really wonderful. Jesus wants his house full more than he wants my self-centered preferences fulfilled. Jesus wants his house filled more than he wants my self-centered preferences fulfilled. He wants you fulfilled in life, but even more, he wants his house full. He wants his house full of people that are far from God, that they would be near. The earth and heaven are far apart. He sent his only son to the earth because he wants those that are far to be near. God is all about bringing those that are far near. That's why people are his purpose. That's what Jesus, Jesus was pretty harsh with the Pharisees, like, because they got caught up in the nitty gritties of this introverted looking at the, the church and the house. And he's saying, no, what about the prostitutes? What, what about the tax collectors? What, what about those people out there that, that are far from God? And that's where Jesus' heart was. Where the vehicle? Where the ones that would go out and to compel people into his house? And it says in Matthew 4.19. And Jesus is about to pick his disciples. He's walking around the Sea of Galilee. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus called out to them, the disciples, who he was about to pick, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. See, how, how do you know how to talk to people, invite people to church? You follow Jesus. Like if you're following Jesus, he's going to lead you to people. If you're not talking for people to bring them into the house, well, are you following? Jesus, get on going. Jesus, if you're following him, will lead you to people. He'll highlight people to talk to, to chat to. But you, you can't know what to do until you follow him. So we firstly have to go and follow him, engage with him, talk with him. And then he will show us. See, he will show you how to. He will show you who. We have to be teachable. Let's not be so hard-hearted. It's like, I know everything. I've been there. Be teachable. Be open. Even though you think you might know everything, maybe Jesus knows that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, knows a little more. See, this is an interesting part here. And they left their nets at once and followed him. See, their nets was their way. They had their own ways to fish. They had their own nets. They knew how to use the nets. They were comfortable in their own nets. The, The net was their security. But they left their net behind. They left. They said, I'm teachable. Even though I know how to do this, I'm leaving my net behind and I'm going to be open and teachable to follow you. So that's a, big, that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. They decided, do you know what? I'm a, they're expert fishermen. That was their business. They were commercial fishermen. They left it behind, even though they knew how to fish more than Jesus probably knew how to fish fish. But he said, I'm going to take you on a new journey. If you just follow me, I will show you how to fish for people. I will show you how to draw people. I will show you. They weren't fishermen with rods. They were commercial fishermen. They fished with nets. Nets is big catches. Big... The fishermen of Peter and James and John and those guys, they weren't in this thing to catch even one and two. 
They were in this journey with Jesus to catch the multitudes because they were used to being fishermen of nets. Nets catch a lot. That was their mentality. That's, I think that's why Jesus chose those guys because they had a, a big thinking, not a little thinking. They didn't think, I'll take my rod and catch a fish. They fished with nets, boats, big, large, many. And he says, that mindset of thinking big, I can take that and we can birth the church that will revolutionize the world. See, sometimes your hand needs to let go of your own net to be able to embrace the new. Sometimes we've got to let go of this old to grab the new, the, the way I've done it before. When do we grab something new? When we're following Jesus. See, we can be on a pathway and God might be saying, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you live life. And you're on this pathway and then he, he turns. That's why he says, just follow me. Because you, you don't follow the, the method. Because the method would land you over here, over the edge. Jesus is turned there. So we don't follow the method, we follow Jesus. Because if he makes a turn, we're, we're, we're turning in the right direction. Don't follow the traditional ways we've done things because they will land us over here where Jesus is over there. And we want to be with Jesus. It's like when you're a kid and you're at the, at the, the park. You've got your monkey bars. You know, you've got to kind of let go of one to, 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 to get the one over here. There's risk. It's not easy to go from one bar to another. And, and some of you know what that's like when you've changed jobs or changed careers. It's risky. It's scary. It's real scary. I mean, we came down here from, from Queensland. I had to give up. I had to let go of the monkey bar of, on the board of that church and be an elder and a pastor. I had, to, I had to, ooh, and I have to grab this one. But I can't hold the two. I, I'm going to be ripped apart. I've got to let go of one so that I can take the new. It's not easy. And all of us have experiences through life like that. But if we're following Jesus, that's what we need to do. Next point is at the end of the journey, there's a destination. Like the journey is a whole thing. But there is a destination that we can get to. And we're going to look at the story of Joseph. I'm going to fly through it. I'm paraphrasing the whole thing. Now, Joseph is this guy in the Bible. And many of you may know the story, but lots of you may not. And basically, Joseph was a young man that had a dream. And he had this special coat that his father gave him. It was a coat of many colors. His coat symbolized status. He was favored in his house, his family. His coat symbolized identity. He was his, his dad's favorite. I've got this special coat. He, his pride was in the identity of this coat. coat. And he was young. That's what we do. This external coat became who he thought he was. And um, he had a couple of dreams. And, and basically, at the end of the day, the dream was that his parents and his brothers would bow to him and that he would be the master and the lord of all of them. And, you know, we all have some of siblings. I mean, that's dangerous talk, isn't it? There's going to be knives in your back telling, you know, he's just lacked discretion. Anyway, his brothers are out in the field and they're up to no good. And Joseph comes along and they, they knew he was going to dob. He was going to tell dad. So they were going to kill him, you know, which is a, a reasonable response, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. And there was a hole, a pit. So they threw him in the pit. And then there was these traders coming, slave traders going to Egypt. So they, they sold him. Thought, okay, we won't kill him. We'll get some money out of this thing. And they took his coat and they ripped it apart and they poured blood of an animal on it. And they went to the father and said, hey, is this the coat of your son? And the father said, oh, he's been ripped apart by an animal and he mourned. And you see, Joseph's identity was ripped off of him. His perceived identity of who he was with the coat of many colors. And see, it was covered in blood and then brought to the father. See, when we meet Jesus, we have to 
let go of that identity that we might have. Maybe that identity is a job. Maybe it's a, a status in a family. Maybe, maybe it could be many things. Maybe it's about your looks or your talents or your hair or your abilities or your fashions, whatever it might be for you. And we have to take our identity and we have to present it to the blood of Christ. We have to present it to the Father through the cross of Christ. So when we surrender our identity and we humble our heart, and we let go of our pride and we say, we give you this identity that I perceive is me. And we surrender to the Father through the blood. Then God can give us our true identity, our inside identity. Not an external identity that society's put on you or family or friend or, or your own thoughts. But the true identity of who you are can come up on the inside. Then what happens to Joseph is he ends up in Egypt. And he's sold into a, a guy's house called Potiphar. And he's in Potiphar's house. And he's serving. And he knows that people are his purpose. He's there to influence people. He's there to, to, to encourage people and be around people. And, and he also knows that if he's faithful in the little, God will make him faithful in much. And, and if he's a good steward of another man's, God will give him his own. And he works in Potiphar's house and he goes to a position of prominence where he actually runs the whole of Potiphar's estate. And Potiphar didn't even ask him what was going on. He just let Joseph run the show because he was so trustworthy. He rose to a position of power. But he got a new garment. He had a new robe. He had the robe of a foreman. He had this robe on him that gave him status. It gave him pride, gave him authority, gave him his self-esteem. It still wasn't God's identity. It was an outside identity that was put on him. And the pot of his wife thought he was a bit all right, thought he was an attractive young man, you know, tried to seduce him. And then she grows to grab his robe and it rips off of him and he runs naked. Again, he'd had his identity ripped from him, that identity of being in charge of Potiphar's house. It's stripped again. See, I think there was a weakness in, in, in Joseph's spirit. As a young guy, he thought, sought outside evidence of who he was. And it's human nature. But there's a time where we've got to go, you know what, I'm not me because of what I do or my title. I'm me because of who God says I am. And our identity comes from inside not outside. Don't seek outside identity. Seek the inside identity. And see, Joseph then ends up in prison because he was accused of rape. And so here he's in prison. And he could go, you know what? I'm in the complete opposite direction of the destination. I'm supposed to be a master of my family. I'm supposed to be an authority. And here I am in prison. You know, we don't know God's ways. They're different to ours. And he was faithful to God even in prison. He said, I'll be faithful. Even in prison, he's serving the prisoners. People were his purpose. It wasn't about me and my wants and what I want. He was outward looking to others. He, in prison, he became head of the prison. The head prisoner of all the prison was Joseph because he was faithful in the little. He was trustworthy with a little. He made people what his business was and not about his disappointment or his bitterness because I shouldn't be in prison and, and why did God do this to me? He didn't knock himself out of the race by keeping a sweet spirit and keeping a humble heart. And it was in prison, I think he learned the true identity from all the experience he went through, the common denominator was no matter what robe he wore, he was there and his heart was there and his identity was internal. It was what God had called him to be. And then again, he's been, people are his purpose. He's been a fisher of men and a fisher of people. And the, the, the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh were thrown in prison and they had a dream. He's in there going, oh, how you going, boys? What's happening? Oh, we had a dream. Okay, can I help you with that? Do you know what I mean? You can see his attitude. And he could interpret dreams, so he interprets a dream. 
and he says that the, that the baker's going to get hung in three days, which you don't want that one, do you? And that the cupbearer is going to get restored to his position. And it happened as he said. So he said to the cupbearer, just remember me. I'm not supposed to be here. The cupbearer forgot about him. and He's still in prison. But then one day, Pharaoh had a dream. And see, Egypt, again, like I talked about last week with um, Babylon, Egypt at this time was the most powerful nation in the world. And Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. And here Joseph gets a call up to come and interpret the dream of the most powerful man in the world. The cupbearer remembered him and said, I know a guy in prison. See, if Joseph wasn't faithful in the little dream, if Joseph wasn't faithful in the prison, he would never have been in the palace. He would never have been in the mansion. He would never have been in the seat of power. He would never have interpreted the big dream of Pharaoh. So you've got to interpret little dreams before God will let you interpret the big dream. You've got to follow the little dreams in your heart and fulfill them. Then he'll give you the bigger dreams to fulfill. He wants to see we're faithful with the little dreams before he's going to give you the big. He wants you to be faithful being in the band. He wants you to be faithful in that. He wants you to be faithful in work. He wants you to be faithful with your family. He wants you to be faithful in the little. And then he's got the big to come. He would never have got the opportunity before Pharaoh if he just didn't. If, if he go, who's the cupbearer and the baker? I don't need to do this. I'm busy. He took the time with the little. He didn't know it was going to be the big. And God blessed the big. It comes before Pharaoh, and basically at the end of the story, he says, hey, there's going to be seven years of, of the, the dreams interpretation. There's going to be seven years of abundance and seven years of drought. And so I suggest, he says, build some silos and save the excess food and grain from the years of plenty, and, and you'll have food for the next seven years. Pharaoh says, you're a genius. You're awesome. You're going to be the prime minister. You're second in charge to me in all the land of Egypt. And he gives him a new robe. And he gives him the garments of an Egyptian. He put on the clothes of an Egyptian, the headpiece of an Egyptian. He spoke the Egyptian language. Because when his brothers came, they thought he was an Egyptian. But it was different this time. Even though he had these outward statuses and things on him in prison, he learned that even though I might have those things on me, it doesn't define who I am. I can carry them through life. You can be the doctor. You can be the lawyer. You can be successful. You can have titles. But his dependence now was on that thing that he'd learned through this journey that ended him in prison, that he was the son of the living God, that he was a, he was a prince with God, not with man. And these outward man things, although they were good, they didn't define who he was. And the end of the story is, there was a famine in the land of Canaan where his brothers were and his parents, and they came to Egypt looking for food. And they came and bowed before this Egyptian prime minister, and they humbled themselves and said, we need food. And the fulfillment of the dream was the brothers and the family had bowed before Joseph, and the destination came to pass. God used Joseph to save the whole empire of Egypt. You don't know the plans that God has for your life. You don't know. You don't know what's down the track. You don't know the rooms you'll walk in. You don't know the people you'll talk to. You don't know that maybe the stuff that you're going through now that might feel like a prison and not comfortable, you don't know what, that all things work together for good, the Bible says, who love God. You don't know what's going to be in the future because of what you're going through now. You don't know that relationship where you're just being nice to that person at work, what, where it might go one day and they, they offer you some role when they go to a new business. All of a sudden, you, you're like my destination all because I was kind and nice and caring and looked out for other people and maybe there's somebody you might invite to church. You don't know who they may be one day. You know, maybe they'll be the Prime Minister of Australia and they'll be a Christian Prime Minister. Who witnessed to Scott Morrison? Who did that? Somebody shared. Somebody did something. Maybe it could be you sharing it with somebody. And man, how cool would that be? See, God loved Egypt so much 
Egypt was pretty debauched, following idols, crazy stuff. God loved them so much while they were sinners, he sent his only son. He sent his only Joseph. God sent Joseph into a horrible, cruel, heathen nation to save them because he loved them. And it's a picture of Jesus. So God sent Jesus, like Joseph, into this world of Egypt that you might be saved, that you would know him, that you would have eternal life. And so the whole of Egypt was saved and his parents and his family because of Joseph's journey. So can I encourage you? Your dream and destination is not about yourself. It's not about you. God wants to do things through you that bring you fulfillment. At the end of the day, your destination isn't to make you happy and have lots of big things. And I mean, maybe that's cool, you know, to have that stuff. But at the end of the day, the purpose of you going to that destination is that other people will be delivered. Other people would come to know God. Other people would have counters with God. Other people would be provided for. So we've got to change our thinking. It's, it's, it's about people. It's, it's, it's not about stuff. If the music folk could come up as I start to conclude. See, what's the heart of the master? That his house would be filled. He wants his house filled more than anything else because every person in that house has a story. Every number is a person. Every person has a story. Every story involves loved ones and families and people and that's what God's about, that his house would be full. See, Jesus is our message, but people are our purpose. And if you remember where you've come from and we faithfully serve Jesus in the little, he will make you faithful in the much because he wants his house full. But as we surrender our robes in humility, as we're humble, we, we, we let go of our stuff, like, Jesus, I, just, I give it to you. Then our true identity, your true identity will be revealed, but it's from the inside. It's not an outward thing. And when you arrive at your destination, who knows, maybe thousands or millions of people could have been changed or saved. Or, You know what? The one person that, that witnessed to Scott Morrison, he became a Christian and then becomes prime minister, is affecting the philosophies and the policies and the culture of this whole country. Do you think about that? This Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dream affected the whole of the Egyptian empire. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.